1: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware.
2: You're obsessed with her?! And you're obsessed with her daughter! Alright,
3: easy, Geraldo. And welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking Michael T. Weiss in a fat suit. We're talking a wolf barfing maggots. And we're talking Snoop Dogg's Silky Locks. And I'm Joe.
0: And I'm Trace. And we're talking bloody bedroom foreplay. Oh my god, I love it. I I mean oh, the it. scene, not in real life. <laughs> no, 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 I know. <laughs> I was getting okay. like major angel heart flashbacks during this bloodbed scene, but it was so oh god. So yes, we are talking <laughs> 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 Ernest Dickerson's bones, everybody, and Yes this is the first i watched for me and i really liked this movie
3: <laughs> i know literally this is why i programmed it because i was like we haven't done a person of color director in a little bit and also i realized it's been ages since we've talked about ernest dickerson and i had so much fun talking about demon knight with you and sarah tay that i was like we should do another ernest dickinson and this is a film that people have slept
0: on for years it is. And I will confess to being one of them. And when we bring our guest in, we'll I'll talk about my experience eh, ish, ish more with that. But um, yeah, I think that that episode on Demon Night—that that is when you first brought it up. And you were like, Oh, yeah, Bones is good. And I believe mm-hmm. my reaction was what?
3: <laughs> yeah, because everybody
0: looks at this and says,
3: Oh, that Snoop Dogg movie, and then they just immediately discounts it. And that kind of
0: sucks. I-, I confess. I mean, I was one of those people, and now I-, I feel so hypocritical for ever shitting on anyone for, A, not wanting to see House of Wax for Paris Hilton, or not wanting mm-hmm. to see Jennifer's Body for Megan Fox, and now I'm part of that same fucking cult. So I am sorry. <laughs> I'm retroactively apologizing <laughs> for, there we go. For, for, okay. for dismissing this movie. <laughs> well, the Bones community accepts your apology. Well, I hope we bring more people into this community, because this movie's a fucking blast. Yeah. But we, 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 I think we need someone else to help us talk about it. Uh, so, everyone, we do have a guest today, and she is the development coordinator and programmer for Toronto's Blood in the Snow Film Festival, as well as the founder of View from the Dark, a website where she posts essays and reviews on genre films from a woman of color perspective. She is also the co-host of Really Melanated Pod... Uh, oh, sorry. Of The Really Me- Goddamn It. She's also the co-host of The Really Melanated Podcast, which features two black film writers sitting down to have a conversation about a film they love. Love. please welcome carolyn morissette
1: yay. hello <laughs> hi hi
0: <laughs> welcome to bones
1: yay oh gosh <laughs> so excited oh yeah this is a good time it's a good time this movie it really
3: is that's the thing right like i don't think anybody's gonna come away from bones saying oh my god this movie is like a classic because it's not perfect. But it is so much better than you would ever think. Even just looking at the trailer, the art, you're like, oh, it's gonna be cheesy, it's gonna be hammy. And it is those things. But it's also a really fucking good time.
1: It's great. Yeah, it's got like so so many elements to it. And you're like, Oh, there's that. And there's that. There's that. And there's that. (laughs) So yeah, Mm Yeah, I think that's kind of where
0: I am. I think I think I like a lot of the parts of the film more. I don't even want to say more than I like it as a whole. I think honestly, just for me personally, like I, I, I'm really into a lot of the things this film is doing, both narratively and stylistically. Yeah, it just kind of feels like the last twenty-ish minutes are like this kind of rushed hodgepodge climax, special effects extravaganza. That just like I don't know. Like it, it, it's still fun to look at, but it I don't know. It misses some of the. It's not as interesting for me as like the the previous 70 minutes. Yeah, I think it's because it feels
3: well paced, like they're taking their time, they're setting things up. And then as soon as Bones is actually reanimated, we just get a bunch of people murdered and suddenly we're at the climax. And it's like, wait, what? Uh, Oh, all of that (laughs) other stuff is just kind of done. And we're moving. Oh, the movie's over. Okay, got it.
1: Yeah. I felt the same way because I actually rewatched the ending a few times because I'm like, wait a minute. We had, like, as you are saying, this really nice build up and set up. And then, yeah, it's this mishmash at the end. You're like, what? It's a go back. Yeah.
0: We'll talk about the marketing at some point because I-, I did watch the trailer for this like right before this recording to be like, well, what was the trailer for this? Because there's a lot of um, negative thoughts from the crew about how New Line Cinema marketed this film. Shocker. The trailer is not great. <laughs> no, it really isn't. It's very much, I mean, even the poster, you know, it's like, unleash the dog. And I, I don't know, maybe y'all disagree. I actually feel like there are campy elements to this movie. There are absurd elements to this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I almost feel like, though, playing up the dog puns, like, I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like that was a mistake on the film's marketing team, because I feel like you really could have marketed this as a really interesting haunted house slash horror film.
1: Yeah. I think they were kind of leading you off like, oh, it's Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's in this movie. But I mean, Mm -hmm. really, he's not in it.
3: He's barely in it. Yeah, for just like
1: a few moments. And yeah, I agree.
3: They obviously think that he's the draw, which A, that's your mistake, because the rest of this cast is pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. But also, it's like, he's the specter, right? They spend a lot of time building him up but then when he actually arrives the character doesn't entirely make sense and i do think that like snoop dogg himself he's not a bad actor we don't really get a ton of his range in this film but he is clearly not playing snoop dogg he is playing jimmy bones so for him to be making dog puns doesn't entirely make sense like yes there is a dog in this movie but i don't know yeah i agree with you trace i think it's a mistake
0: So, I I think the reasoning for that is because, and we can go into the production for a little bit here. So, I'm sorry. Actually, really quickly, though. First... This, this movie isn't what I thought it was going to be about. I thought it was going to be... Um, have you ever seen that movie? It's not very good. See No Evil, the one with Kane, the wrestler, where all the kids go to the prison and then Kane just kills them one by one.
1: Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, yes. va- I vaguely remember. I know I saw it, but I can't remember.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's not memorable, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is just these kids or, you know, 29-year-olds go to mm-hmm. a an abandoned prison <laughs> that is housed by Kane still, and he just kills them all one by one. Yeah. I thought this movie was about four kids in a house that Snoop Dogg just killed one by one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't oh. know we had this entire... Like the first hour of this movie, I was like, oh, <laughs> I uh-huh. not know this Wait. Is what this is about.
3: Character development, romance, flashbacks to the 70s and Pam Greer's Fro?
1: What? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And Pam. Oh, Pam.
0: Ah, uh, Pam. That's, I mean... I also love that they don't need to do any extra makeup work on her like between the the 22 year time jump because she (laughs) still looks the same as she did in the 70s. Yeah, fucking flawless. And also shout out to her fictitious
3: daughter in this movie, Cynthia, who's played by Bianca Lawson, a.k.a. Kendra from Buffy the Mm -hmm. Vampire Slayer, Yes. a.k.a. she's also on this amazing show called Queen Sugar, which is on oprah's network yeah she literally still looks exactly the same like she looks the same in this movie as she looked on buffy and as she looks on queen sugar that woman has not aged today oh wow (laughs) it is insane i
1: remember her from buffy yeah i'm like oh my god so i haven't watched queen sugar but now i'm kind of curious because yeah oh yeah yeah carolyn it's a must watch yeah it's really good
0: that has um oh my god uh rutina wesley in it right yes yes it does I will say, so I'll see your Queen Sugar, and this is earlier, but she actually was in the first season of Pretty Little Liars. And I specifically remember, what, and she she is like a 35-year-old playing a 17-year-old in that mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Always. But I remember looking at my husband and being like, she looks exactly the same. <laughs> yes, yes. You will say that every fucking time you see her. She's a
3: goddess, and she looks great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, let's start with writer Adam Simon here. So, Adam Simon, he's a man that got to start working with Roger Corman. He directed a lot of Roger Corman-produced oh. films, like the Jurassic Park ripoff Carnosaur. Yes, so bad. <laughs> Brain Dead, which I think is a Bill Pullman movie. Okay. And Body Chemistry 2. So... <laughs> He was tasked immediately, though. He said, New Line was like, hey, we want to create a starring vehicle for Snoop Dogg. Now, why New Line goes to Adam Simon, I'm not really sure. This is probably just interpersonal relationships. Yeah. But Hmm. because it was New Line, A, Simon was charmed by Snoop Dogg, and he wanted him to become the new Freddy. And given that it's New Line, that does make sense, because this film actually was intended to have several sequels um, Mm -hmm. had it not Uh bombed. That's
3: really disappointing, because you can you can see the genesis, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. spending a lot of time on this backstory,
0: so it, that makes sense. But because he liked Snoop Dogg so much, he actually wanted to soften the evil, soften Jimmy Bones, not make him, like, kind of repugnant like Freddy Krueger is. So he was actually also going to direct the picture, but he had to pass on the job because of a family issue, which cleared the way for Ernest Dickerson to take the gig. Now... I know we're living in 2021 here, so we can look at this with like a different like pair of glasses on. But it's also, I, again, I'm just like, okay, you have a movie that I'm going to assume, even in the script stage, leaned into black exploitation cinema, being written right. by a nerdy white man, being directed by a nerdy white man, and <laughs> I, 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 which no, no 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 offense to Adam Simon, he also yeah. co-created this TV show called Salem, which I think is massively brilliant and underrated. Mm-hmm. But right. it's just kind of like, oh. Him. Yeah, like, is he
3: the best person? <laughs>
0: is
1: he really? <laughs> yeah, and you know what's funny too is he produced um, a really underrated film. I think it's called Captive State. Have you guys seen that?
0: No,
3: does oh, nice. that sound familiar?
1: Joe and candidates on Crave. And it's been something that's kind of, like, kicking around in my brain, so I want to write something about it, but it's... Oh,
3: wait, is that the Aliens one? Yes,
1: and yes. then, like, there's, um, okay. John, is it John Major? <laughs> John
3: Goodman, I think. John
1: Ma- John Goodman and John Major from, um, uh, Lovecraft County. Oh, okay. Is it county or country? Country, country. sorry. Oh, we we'll say county. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah John Major is in it and it's an underrated film and it's really cool. It's kind of like um a resistance alien film but yeah yes. I he produced that so okay. and Salem and so when I saw that I was like, okay well he's in my good books but if, if yeah. he <laughs> if he had directed that film, I suspect it would be completely different
3: Oh, for sure yeah. because Dickerson is bringing a very distinctive visual style to this movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean this film has so many influences on it. Obviously we have Nightmare on Elm Street, like you know when we get the Bones Children's Chant, I'm like, okay movie, I see what you're doing, but it's kind of mm-hmm. fun. Uh, we have Hellraiser with the with the resurrected yeah. body. As I said, I th- I think the bed the bloodbath in the bed scene, I really think that's an Angel Heart homage, but maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. The maggots and colorful lighting, we've got Suspiria, The Wall of mm-hmm. Corpses. I mean wow Yes, (laughs) i love it oh my god it's so
3: gorgeous yeah i think they also cite nosferatu and frankenstein and dracula like the classics yes and Mm -hmm. then there's a lot of Mario Baba in here
1: yes and society of obviously with the wall yes oh i hadn't even thought
3: of that carolyn that's good
1: of Of course I look at the wall and what do I see first? The ass.
0: Society. <laughs> oh, the shunting.
1: The, the shunting. And then in the wall, there's an ass. There's like a big booty sticking out. I'm like, look at that butt. Uh, I missed the booty. Oh my God. I the like, Look at that ass. Anyway. Um... I, I, you know,
0: I, so I, I rewatched this movie again before. So I watched it yesterday and I watched it again today because I had time to kill it. And I was like, you know what? I want to see. I want to just watch it again. As mm-hmm. soon as, I mean, as, as much as I said that I do think the last 20 minutes is kind of like Meh, narratively it gets a rush climax, it's yeah. still so pretty to look at because the oh, production yes. design yes. is gorgeous. <laughs> oh, yes. 100%. All the
3: neon purple lighting, all Ugh. the like, oh. violet POV smoky mist okay. shit. Like this, this movie is a fucking gorgeous dream. But I love you
1: it. know what, it totally rang bells for me because I'm watching um, the club scene and you know, he's got like that grid lighting, and then all the different colored light. I'm like, Oh my god, Death by Temptation. Because oh. Ernest was the cinematographer for that film. so Oh, was he? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my God. So then I yank out my copy. <laughs> I put it on. I'm like, yes. You know, and there's also that woman that was beckoning Maurice, um, the mm-hmm. demon woman. Oh, yeah. So that mm-hmm. really pulls from death. I don't know if he was, you know, just kind of winking at us for, you know, referring to Death by Temptation because he was a cinematographer. But I feel like he did a lot more on that film. Oh, okay. He did all the visual effects and that sort of thing. But yeah, it really kind of that light bulb went off and you can see the references, like even the way he shot the young kind of um, religious, uh, I can't remember his name, the religious guy that c- goes to New York to visit his cousin, Kadim Hardison. The house he lives in, like just the shot of the house really mimics the shot of that huge like mansion that the kids buy. To have their clubs oh, really? so it really i'm like oh my god and he's such a king like ernest dickerson is just uh, he's just amazing so he's so talented mm-hmm.
0: i mean and like you know we're talking about all these references and homages in this film and normally when i say that it's kind of like with like a oh, god there's just so many references and homages mm-hmm. it's like the film doesn't have its own distinct identity but that's not the case with this film this mm-hmm, film no while it has all these references and homages, it still very much feels like its own beast. And I think that's why it works so well for me. Like, it doesn't feel like it's just Ernest Dickerson doing Bava. It's just Mm -hmm. Ernest Dickerson doing Dickerson through a lens of Bava. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like the right
3: way to do a homage. And, I won't lie, I mean, the first time I saw this, I think it was probably back in the aughts when I was just renting every horror movie I could from Blockbuster, and it was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I very much had a reaction like you, Trace, (laughs) where I just thought, this cover art looks terrible, it's Snoop Dogg, it's probably going to be bad, but whatever, I'll give it a try. And I remember being so taken by the visuals and not knowing anything about Italian Gothic cinema. Mm -hmm. And once you know, and once you start to make
0: the connections and see the homages, you realize this is
3: really smart filmmaking.
0: Even, and for 2001, like, it feels very much steeped in the 70s and 80s. Like, even the blood mm-hmm. they use, it has that kind of, like, paint oh, color it. to it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, it feels it feels very hammer horror, or I guess really it is Italian, but also hammer horror for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is uh, English, like, hammer horror stuff in here, too, for sure. Yeah. There you go. So, um, when talking about the production of the film, Dickerson is actually very positive. So, he, he did meet his future wife on the set, so he has fond memories no matter what. Aww. So, Screen Factory released a Blu-ray, and this is not a sponsored plug, but the, apparently the Blu-ray is <laughs> very good. <laughs> <laughs> but, like usual, sure. yeah. He has a new interview there, and he basically gets very candid about New Line Cinema's growing disinterest in Bones, launching a poor marketing campaign, and taking mm. the feature away from him, including recutting it without his participation. Oh, Ew. Yeah, and so I I don't know what the original cut would have looked like, but I just wonder if it was, again, New Line being like, cool, we're going to have a new Black Freddy. And then when Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, this isn't really giving us that, maybe it's because uh, Bones doesn't really show up till the last half hour of the film. But then I'm also kind of like, well, you're trying to build Freddy from the ground up, but you forget that the first film in that franchise wasn't Mm -hmm. Freddy's movie. Mm -hmm. Nope. So I think they just, they, they, they're trying to do like what DC did, how they rushed through the, their, their DCEU compared to the MCU. <laughs> they're oh like, let's, let's just dear. make him an instant icon because it's Snoop Dogg. Right. Yeah,
3: I think they had the person in mind and then they tried to build it, but they clearly also wanted something that would work for audiences with short attention spans. They probably didn't realize, oh, we're getting a 60 minute backstory that's really heavily steeped in like nostalgia and gentrification and mm-hmm.
0: other things that are hard to market to teenagers. <laughs> oh, I would double feature this with people under the stairs in a heartbeat. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I also see like the late 90s, early 2000s, those five kids go into the woods or five yeah. kids, you know, that kind of glossy feel when you have like a young cast. So it kind of has that. But I like that it's like there's this generational split where, Mm -hmm. you know, you see that Bones was trying to take care of his neighborhood. And then you see these kids coming in, and they don't know anything of the history, only like a legend. And then bringing the two together. So I think that it was a thoughtful way of bringing in two types of films, two genres of films, I guess, Mm -hmm. into one. And if they've recut it against his will, like, who knows what it could have been.
0: Right. I really do think, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I really do think those last thirty minutes are the, the yep. to me they, they look the most compromised for yes. me in terms mm-hmm. of like editing.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh sure. Yeah. Because we're just going from kill scene to kill scene to climax and then the movie's over. And it doesn't feel at all on par with what Dickerson is trying to do in the first two acts of this movie. Mm-hmm. And yes. I can't imagine he goes with this like I watched a different feature on my old ass D V D. <laughs> Your two thousand one D V D <laughs> <laughs> Basically yes. And Dickerson does make a comment. It's a very quick offhand comment, but he does mention that the shooting schedule for this was just a little rushed. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think he had as much time as he wanted to make the film that he wanted Mm -hmm. to make. So then to hear on top of that that it was potentially
0: recut against his will is like, ugh, Mm -hmm. yeah, what could this film have been? Yeah. Well, and, and his crew is on his side. Special effects artist Tony Gardner, who is like a big name in the business, he fully blames New Line Cinema for the bombing of Bones. Um, cinematographer Flavio Labiano, um, he's like, yeah, this is like my first big Hollywood film. He worked with Alex de la Iglesias a lot mm. beforehand, and he was, this is like, oh, cool, I'm coming to the States, I'm doing Hollywood. And then he was like, yeah, New Line really uh, fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I wanted a career or anything. That's fine. It's okay. He, he 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 shot the new Jungle Cruise movie that's coming out, so he's good. Oh, my God. The weird pivots people have in this industry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't really have much. The film was filmed in Vancouver. Um, apparently, Snoop Dogg was high for the entire production period. <laughs> 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 Save for the scene involving fire, which I was like, yeah, but he's clearly, like, in front of a green screen during that fire. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You want to hear something funny? Okay. Yes. In, in connection to that. So I guess Snoop Dogg has a YouTube show where he interviews people. So there was right. one with Ernest Dickerson on. So they're, oh. they're talking about the film and, you know, <laughs> Ernest pulls out some gifts for Snoop. So he has yeah. like his pages from the scripts. He goes, here you go. And he goes, yeah, I found a, a big bag of weed with that script. And as Snoop as Snoop's like, oh, I guess it's gone. He goes, yep. guess <laughs> you're not returning that. So, I mean, if they found this huge bag of weed, like, you can imagine, like, every day was probably, like, chill. But I know people who smoke weed daily, and they function like there's nothing wrong. So...
0: I'm jealous of those people. So I mean, yes. I, I do enjoy smoking weed, but it's very much a okay, cool. All of my tasks are done for the day. I'm going to bed in two or three hours. Let's yeah. smoke some weed and watch something funny or like really gross. Yeah, yeah. If you if we need functional trace, he cannot be smoking. Oh no.
1: Yeah.
0: Or drinking. Really.
1: <laughs> oh, I can only do edibles, and if I do one, mm. sometimes I think like I'm speaking to someone. <laughs>
3: Oh no! <laughs> and you have so many cats. I was,
1: no, I was at my boyfriend's place, <laughs> and this liner in the couch, and I, I could have sworn I said to him, "Hey, uh, I don't know, let's watch so-and-so. so and so." So, like about fifteen minutes, I go, "Well, why aren't we watching this movie?" And he's like, well, "What?" Oh no! <laughs> I go, "Didn't I just ask you that?" He goes, "No, you were just no. staring off into space." <laughs>
3: Oh, that is amazing. Like, I think
1: I'm saying things to people, and I'm I'm actually not. I'm just trying to send telepathic messages, and it's not working. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, okay, I guess after the weed wore off, uh, New Line does release this film. This is a Halloween release in 01. It comes out, I think, the same weekend as 13 Ghosts. Uh, Which may um, have put a dent in its box office. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. sure. those films are actually not too dissimilar when you start to think about it. Yeah, cool premise. But here's the thing, though. So, hey, it, again, released October 26, 2001, New Line Cinema. We have a budget of 16 million dollars, and you can see it on the screen here. Like this money yes. went to good use. It only opens in 847 theaters, and. Yeah. I don't really know how the distribution model works, but I have to assume, because I know that like distributors have to pay like rental fees for cinemas, right? I yeah. think <laughs> that sounds right. So I think that they just didn't have any faith in this movie, and they were like, yeah, let's just dump it in less than a thousand theaters, and we're done.
3: Yeah. And for context, because you may say, oh, well, in 2001, we weren't doing these mega wide releases. But 2001 is also the year that Spider-Man first comes out. And that movie opens in 3000 theaters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Bones is not Spider-Man, but 800 theaters is independent release
0: wide. So well, that's not a good number. 13 Ghosts, it was released in 2700 theaters.
3: Oh, there wow. And this is New Line, too. Yeah. That's the other thing we can't forget. Like, this is a studio that has mm-hmm. a gigantic imprint on the movie industry. So they should have been able to wrangle more unless they said, oh, we don't have confidence in this movie.
1: Well, yeah. And that maybe is it, do you think there is still that stigma with black film and like, oh, it's a quote no, unquote yes. black film. And it's so ridiculous that it's still happening now. Not not mm-hmm. to that extent, but Yeah.
0: Okay, this is gonna sound so fucking like I'm just like troping this out, but like, like when Diary <laughs> and Mad Black Woman came out, I feel like that was like the first time that like, n- not the first time, obviously it's had before. Like you know, you've had we've had successful black cinema in the past, but I think Ooh. that was like the first like big juggernaut black film where it was like people turned out in droves to go see it, and then mm. of course now we have a million really bad Tyler Perry movies. Yeah, <laughs> but but with black maybe it's because it's black and it's also horror. Maybe mm. that's the key there.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think it's it's true. Actually, I was just having a discussion with Ashley, my co-host for mm-hmm. Really Melanated, and we're just like, well, it's so hard for Black filmmakers, Black horror filmmakers, to yeah. kind of get that leg up, you know, and to get a helping hand to make their films, because there is that belief that Black people don't like horror. and Which
3: is ridiculous. And yeah. it's
1: like, you know, <laughs> if you were raised in the Caribbean, for instance, I feel like the supernatural is... Right. Kind of part of how you live. Like, you know, we were always told that there was some, something out there waiting for us just to make us behave. I mean, we, basically, they traumatize mm. you so you can behave. But <laughs> <I'm> sure, <laughs> And they use sure. the supernatural, right? And it's kind of like um, the southern, like, uh, root magic where you just grow up with it and you just assume that, well... I may not believe in it, but I don't want to mess with it because it could be true. You know, you kind of have that kind of trepidation around it. So to say that black people don't have mystical or um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to use that word like the, you know, the magical Negro or anything. But right. But there's some some truth to it in terms of how you grow up and how you approach the supernatural and horror. So it's kind of part of growing up with Caribbean parents and, and that sort of thing, you know, you just kind of believe it, you're not sure you believe it, but you, you're gonna kind of pay attention anyway. So I don't know what my thought is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I think you're, you're suggesting, yeah. <laughs> you're suggesting there's a cultural precedent for black people, you. And specifically Caribbean yes. Black people, yes. to have an association with and I think especially this kind of film, right? Yeah. Like, the supernatural, the idea of, like, your past
0: returning to haunt you mm-hmm. if you forget it.
1: And karma, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to bring up one movie. And this, this is a movie that I do like, but it's also like, well, why? Look at The Skeleton Key. Like, this is a movie about New Orleans voodoo. Yes. That... Is all about this white woman, Kate Hudson, and then, well, I mean, I'm going to say two older white people in Jenna Rollins and whatever the guy is in the bathtub, but it's also like <sighs> the villains are black people using voodoo to possess white people and take mm-hmm. over their lives. So it's yes. like, okay, that's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, obviously, yeah. but yeah. it's just like the subject matter, which you would think, okay, well, we're going to have like clearly black characters, even though the only black character in that movie is, you know, kate hudson's best friend (laughs) yeah right but it's like we're gonna whitewash it because it's easier to get people out i guess hollywood thinks it's easier to get people out if you have a pretty blonde white lady in front of this what should be kind of a black story
1: Mm -hmm. oh sure yeah Yeah. absolutely and i
0: think that's why then you'll see on
3: lists every february like oh let's talk about black horror Mm -hmm. that's when people start to try to like eve's bayou and then you'll get Mm -hmm. a bunch of people saying oh well that's not a horror film which is a completely redundant statement. Yeah. But also, I think that's one of those like underseen gems, kind of like what you were saying with Death by Temptation, Carolyn. Mm-hmm. As we all saw in fucking horror noir, there's a legacy of black horror, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of uneducated people and there's a lot of unfortunately top level studio folks who say oh but those movies aren't well known they didn't make money Mm -hmm. you know we don't have black stars or black people don't want to come to horror films and it's like well that's all bullshit yeah
0: thanks for coming out or they just consider them like Mm lowbrow
1: oh my god don't even get me started on that because (laughs) 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 as a critic who focuses mainly on horror i feel like i don't register with some, I guess, circles, you know, which is mm-hmm, fine. Right. I don't really, I don't give a shit, really. I really don't care. But like, it's just really interesting how, you know, horror journalists, we kind of have our own little camp, you know, mm-hmm, and then right. if you were to try something outside of that, it's very difficult to kind of prove your worth. Because mm-hmm. I feel like even though, you know, you have the Ariasters and like the, the Babadook, you know, the horror that people were like, oh, well, that's, you know, really artful.
3: Yeah. Oh, do you mean elevated horror? Yeah, I didn't <laughs>
1: want to say that word.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm going to call it elevator horror. <laughs> elevator
2: horror. Oh, we're talking horror. about the lift now? Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, but, you know, it's really hard for people to see the worth of, like, films like Bones or, like, Blackula, Scream, Blackula, Scream. Like, yeah, you know, right. House on Skull Mountain, which I love. I know it got panned. But that is one of my favorite, like, quote, unquote, exploitation horror films. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I guess it just you just have to have an acquired taste as a horror journalist and a horror writer and people don't understand it.
0: It's always so funny, though, because I always tell people, because horror is my favorite genre, it always has been for as long as I can remember, but my second favorite genre is romantic comedies, and so <laughs> whenever people that like, are into horror are talking to me, and they're like, oh, so you like a lot of horror, and I was like, yeah, but I also, like, we put on my best friend's wedding any day of the week, so, like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> like, give me Never Been Kissed, give me Ever After, like, I will happily watch those with you, and they're like, oh, really? That seems kind of gentle for you, and I was like, what the
1: fuck does that mean? <laughs>
0: There's very few chainsaws in my best friend's wedding.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Although there could have been, honestly, given that story.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> what we're talking about, though, is it's a lot of siloing, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see it when we think about the release pattern for Bones and the reception that it got. Clearly, there wasn't a lot of confidence in the product from mm-hmm. the studio's perspective. And then I think also from people like Trace and I, who in 2001 took a look at this and said oh, it's a Snoop Dogg horror film. That's not for me. It's not going to be any good. Mm
0: -hmm. Admittedly, I was 12 when this came out. (laughs) Sure, Trace. Sure. Now you're trying to backtrack. I see how this goes. But no, no. But I I 100% was. I also didn't know who Snoop Dogg was. Like, I think, like, I mean, I knew who he was. I knew he was a rapper, but, like, I didn't, you know, listen to his music. (laughs) So, yeah. 847 theaters. This opens in the number 10 slot, Halloween Weekend 01, with $2.8 million worldwide it grosses 8.3 million against its 16 million dollar budget so this movie was a notorious box office bomb and basically any sequels that were even considered were quickly thrown out the window yeah Pam by critics were looking at a 23 percent of rotten tomatoes but the average score is a 3.9 out of 10 so this movie was getting Come like on. one and a half out of five two out of fives like across the board Ugh. And a Letterboxd score of 5.6 out of 10. I mean, it, I'm saying this, though, because it's, even horror critics, like, I mean, granted, there wasn't really wholly a big horror critic community back then, but mm-hmm. critics who were, like, pro-horror still didn't give this movie a fair shake in 2001, which I find interesting because I have seen, especially since this new Blu-ray came out, more people being vocal about, oh, yeah, Bones is good. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's very much one of those,
3: hey, if you didn't know, this movie you thought was bad is actually really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah sometimes yeah. it just takes like a bit of distance from all that trashing for people to kind of regain that appreciation for it, you know oh sure. but yeah, I I mean when you you kind of start out with uh, not that much of a helping hand, it really does suck so
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 <sighs> but uh yeah that, that that is really the end of my uh, my spiel. <laughs>
3: okay. well, let's <laughs> go through this, shall we? Yes. So we begin with a cold open as we watch Shotgun, who is played by Ron Selmore, and he is chased into his apartment
0: building by a ferocious dog. Probably not an intentional reference, but I was getting very The Thing vibes, because it opens similarly.
3: Okay, I could see yeah. it.
0: <laughs> Just a dog I mean, chasing people. So thing with a dog, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I get very, like, hound of hell from this, like... You know, I'm thinking of supernatural, but obviously there's got to be better references than that. Not that I'm diminishing <laughs> supernatural. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Everyone hates us after this episode, so <laughs> it's fine. Alright, uh so after Shotgun is safely back in his apartment, we cut to two very out of their element white fraternity boys who are trying <laughs> to buy drugs. I do love that they say like where are the drugs and these two dealers say oh, yeah, we're just going to take your money and then we're
0: going to tell you where to go to get the drugs because I, mean, I just get don't it, care. right? No, because <laughs> they might be the police. They can't just be handing off drugs. Um, I do love that their names are Stank and Wheeze. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, 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 yeah. Maybe named by Snoop Dogg. Maybe.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so uh, these fraternity boys end up having to hide from the police in a derelict building. And one of these officers is Officer Al Lupovich, and he is played by Michael T. Weiss in a very distracting fat suit.
0: <laughs> so I, I was literally like, wait, because hey, listeners, this is a returning guest for horror queers. If you listen to our episode on Freeway, he was the uh, crack addicted, like molesty stepfather of Reese Witherspoon in that movie. Mm-hmm. I was very much like, did he gain weight for this? But no, <laughs> it, is, it is very much a fat suit. <laughs> yeah yeah it's very monica from friends level fat suit Uh.
3: but uh i should note that once again in case people missed it michael t weiss is an out gay actor yes Mm
1: -hmm. he was the pretender
3: he was the pretender yeah my
1: sister loved that show
3: (laughs) me too yeah
0: my parents He's really good at it too yeah (laughs) (laughs) shut up trace (laughs) <laughs> it, uh, it just missed me. I was like, I think twelve. <laughs> I, no, because I, I was watching like the practice in ER. I think ah. and I, th- I think the pretender had like. I just didn't get. I didn't jump on that boat, but my parents did, and I I knew of its existence. See that—that that was my
3: like kind of preteen life because I didn't have a social life Aww. that involved real people. I watched <laughs> TV, so I would watch Profiler and Pretender, and then whatever show NBC was going to cancel that year because they would always do a three-hour uh, supernatural slash genre pack on Saturday evenings.
0: Oh, nice! Mm. There you go. Mm.
3: Yeah, that's how I learned who Julianne Nicholson was, and now everybody's like, "Oh, she's so good on Mayor of East
0: Whatever," and I'm like,
3: "Yeah, I knew her
0: back in the '90s." <laughs> you know what she's really good in though is the britney murphy non-rom-com little black book that i think is the second time i've mentioned this on this podcast but it's correct a really good in like movie. as many weeks yeah. oh my God. Stop, stop mentioning it <laughs> i'm done it's the new Elizabeth mcguire movie i'm gonna mention little black book all the time shut
2: up, shut up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so
3: Lupovich has a connection and we get a brief glimpse of a shooting that has happened in this building. So he hightails it out of there, leaving these two frat boys, and they are I mean, as we all knew
0: they would be, they are attacked and presumably killed. Great nail as the guy gets dragged back inside and we have his nails like clung into the in the wood porch. Um logic question. Uh-oh. So There are a lot of things in this movie that don't make sense to me, but I'm just like, yeah, whatever, it's fun. Mm -hmm. But, okay, so the basic conceit of this film is that he's dead, Bones is dead, but his soul lives on in this dog. Correct. And if someone feeds the dog, that Mm -hmm. is when his corpse can reanimate Hellraiser style. I think the door had to be
3: opened and the body revealed.
0: Okay, so, okay, w- when Catherine Isabel gives this dog the burger, we pan mm-hmm. down to the grave underneath as it, like, raises with green light all around it. So, yes, I'm taking this to mean that, A, no one has been in this building in 22 years, and no one has fed this dog in 22 years? Quite possibly. Maybe that's I why the dog was chasing Shotgun,
3: because <laughs> that dog was hungry. It wanted a piece
0: of that man. I, I don't get it, but again, I'll, I'll suspend my disbelief for this, whatever i mean if that's your your biggest logic question then we're in good stead because that's not <laughs> no. as bad as it'll get <laughs> no my, my biggest logic question is why doesn't pam Greer remove the dress at the end before setting it on fire <laughs> well,
1: this, yeah i mean she's in a rush it's a question it's a good question right <laughs> it is a good question yeah
0: Like, you don't need to be in the dress to burn it, sweetie. Yeah. That, to me, feels like
3: sequel setup. Like, we're going to have Pam Greer and Snoop Dogg come back as, like, malicious aspirations. Yeah. No, apparitions. (laughs) (laughs) Aspirational (laughs) apparitions. There we go. Okay, we're not there yet. We need to flash back to 1979. So we are introduced to a switchblade handling, black leather duster-wearing, pinstripe-rocking, Jimmy Bones, played by Snoop Dogg, He's driving around in a gorgeous, pimped-out car, and this neighborhood is actually very vibrant. It's shot in a kind of super eight-home video style, mm. mm-hmm. and I like how it starts out looking very picturesque and very nostalgic, and then we start to get glimpses that there is, like, drug use and prostitution. And in this mix, we briefly see Pearl,
0: who is Pam Grier's character. The aesthetic of this, I mean, it, it, I mean, I, admittedly, I haven't seen a ton of exploitation cinema, but when I was in college, um, <laughs> had watch, we, we had a blaxploitation um, like section. And so I watched like something like Sweet Sweet Back Sweet uh, Ass Song.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: But, but the aesthetic of this looks very much like like a 70s exploitation film. And I think that's just like, oh, it's so cool.
1: Yeah, it does have that look. I like how they had like a sepia tone to it. And yes, yes. It's, it's
0: the color grading.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was just a really nice look to it. Yeah.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah,
3: I think it's a fun introduction to Snoop because it plays on his public persona, but also gives us a good insight into how important this character is mm-hmm. to the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like children are running up to him. And, you know, he's actually very kind and giving. Like it would have been easy to have had him be, you know, a kind of, Mr. Potter of this, uh, black neighborhood where he's just making money and
0: living rich while all these other people have nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's not the case. No. Uh, one more question. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. So no, I, I, he is a likable man in this town. Everyone loves him. You know, we'll see later that he rejects like people bringing crack in his neighborhood, mm-hmm. but he is still a gangster doing dr- a drug business, right? Not drugs. It's lottery.
1: Mm-hmm. He's like a oh, okay. bookie. Oh, he's a, a
0: numbers runner.
1: He's yeah, numbers like he's running runner. numbers, yeah.
3: Got it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so I think his idea is that he is profiting, but he's not doing it at the expense of his community, whereas mm-hmm. drugs right. would automatically go against those values. Got it. Okay, that And it
1: sense. does nod to, like, exploitation in terms of... You know, they, there's a storyline where there's may, there might be like a, you know, less fortunate neighborhood and but people mm-hmm. are kind of we live here and we protect our neighborhood. And then the bad oh, yeah. guys come in and then they have like some sort of a hero that will, you know, take vengeance on, on the bad guys or revenge or, you know, it's something that will kind of come into that community and attack it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people will either gather together or they'll they, there'll be a hero or something. So it does kind of follow that kind of script yeah hmm
3: yeah i think the thing that intrigues me the most about this is how i expected that the villains would be white people coming into this neighborhood and trying Mm -hmm. to do it and really that's only embodied in lupovich's character Mm -hmm. there are members of the community who are actively trying to profit off of it and bones ends up becoming the person who stands in the way of that i would argue maybe even jeremiah a little bit um You mean, like, as a a villain or a good person?
0: Yeah, I mean, a person who's a villain who's, like, I don't want to say doesn't care about his neighborhood, but he literally, like, profits off of it and gets the fuck out of Dodge to move Mm -hmm. to the nice white neighborhood.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Oh, sure. No,
0: he's absolutely the villain. I think that's why he ends up getting killed last, Mm -hmm. because he's
3: Mm -hmm. the one who goes against what he should be standing for the most. Mm -hmm. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like a betrayal of his community, and he, like, you know, like, there's a lot of narratives like that where... They've kind of vilify people who are like, okay, well, I'm gonna try and get out of this community, and then when they come, right. they come back. They're like, well, what are you doing here? You left, you know. Yeah. So yeah, but his is like the worst kind, <laughs> where he, mm-hmm. you know, he's damaged the community. Then he took leave of it, and you know, he's living high in the hog. So yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Yeah, so speaking of, let's uh, introduce his progeny. So Mm -hmm. back in the present day, we have a van of what is later described as a rainbow coalition (laughs) of 20-somethings, and they are comprised of Patrick, played by Khalil Kane, his brother Bill, Merwin Modenser, their stepsister Tia, Catherine Isabel, and then they have a stoner Joker friend named Maurice, played by Sean Amzing, and... Patrick has bought Bones's old house and he has plans to turn it into a club called Ilbient.
0: I genuinely like all of these characters.
3: Uh, I wish that there was just a little bit more character development between Bill and Maurice, because I think Maurice is, mm. he's big, but he's that stock character. Whereas Bill, I just don't know who he is. He's just like an extra
0: body. Which he is just that, as evidenced by his really quick death at the end of the film. Mm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I do like Patrick a lot. I wish we had, I wish Catherine Isabel was involved in the climax of this film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah,
1: she just kind of dips after a while. She's like, gone. <laughs> they
3: literally say, like, hey, women, stay home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't need you to come here. <laughs> but part of me is also like, oh, they're kind of also saying...
0: White ladies say in suburbia because we're going to go handle our shit. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. I mean, so like Bill and Patrick are Jeremiah's kids from some relationship or marriage, but once he was able, I guess, to get out of the neighborhood, he yeah, he married a a white woman with her Mm -hmm. white daughter. Yeah, and I do love the fact that it's a
3: completely no big deal situation yep. like we're mm-hmm. not talking about oh tia doesn't understand patrick and bill there's no animosity it's just like yeah yes. she's my stepsister mm-hmm. oh they're my step brothers. i love that kind of just laissez-faire
1: attitude yeah it's a it's a nice kind of a uh, non-event that it's a blended family mm-hmm. it's like okay this is it and that's fine and you know Let's get to the horror.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's yeah. fucking move on, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I, I confess, when she showed up, I actually thought that she was gonna she was gonna be kind of like your white girl acting like yes, stereotypical oh God. black culture. Mm-hmm. You thought she was gonna be Taryn Manning, <laughs> kind of a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm glad that you said that because I was literally thinking Taryn Manning as I said that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and so I I was pleasantly surprised to find that that was not the case. Mm hmm. So, yeah. And I was like, oh, she's gonna be one of their
3: girlfriends. And no, she's yeah. not. So that's yeah, also great.
1: They, that was a nice curveball. because I'm like, okay, because I don't recall seeing this movie in theaters. I'm pretty sure I rented it like the both of you. So, okay, yeah, I can't I'm trying to remember. And that was like a million years ago. So I really felt like I was seeing it with fresh eyes. And then yeah. I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay," but no, it was the sister. <laughs> well, but that, I mean, that's something too,
0: right? You know, you're going back and watching a movie from 2001, and the early 2000s were a relatively mean period in the mm. horror genre. Like, it was a lot, at least in terms of like homophobia, racism, whatever you want to call it, like, what, all these things. Like, it was just a mean. It was a, they weren't very considerate
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> to, yeah. to
0: minority groups.
2: Yeah,
0: and so yeah, watching this, I was yeah, I think that's maybe what's factoring in here. I was just kind of surprised by. The delicacy Oh, these with people how are likable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is not to say that these kids are
3: sort of up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> They're clearly in over their heads, so mm-hmm. they have bought this building. They have very grand ambitions about turning this into a club, seemingly with no... Like, they're not doing any kind of repairs. They're just going to be like, oh, that's going to be a sound recording room. And you're like, that is a room with dirt floor. What are you talking about? (laughs) They just install some lights. They're good. Honestly, it's like they set up that one grill thing so that we can have a great light show during that dance sequence, and then they are ready to open the doors. Yeah. So, you know, they mill around. We get some good character development just to get a sense of who they are, and eventually Patrick turns the power on, and this is where we start to get some misty purple and pink POV shots, mm-hmm. and Tia also finds the dog. Yeah, Bones-O-Vision.
0: Bon- vision Wait, is it Bono-Vision, or...? <laughs> bones oh vision uh yeah I, i i i'm not a fan of this in general in any film and i don't like it here but it's still kind of funny i
3: appreciate that at least it had a visual component to it it wasn't just ooh, it's spooky like i appreciated that we had a color to it
2: yeah yeah sure yeah yeah
3: Okay, so um, they exit the building, and Tia has now adopted this dog after feeding it a burger and shotgun across the street, tells them that they should shoot the dog, and that is a sentiment that is shared by Pearl, who has walked up. She, we later learn, is the local psychic now, and she has a teenage daughter named Cynthia, who is played by Bianca Lawson.
0: That's something, too, where, again, I was kind of like, why do all these people stay in this neighborhood? Why didn't they get out as soon as they, like, as soon as this event happened? But then I guess that's also kind of the political statement, right? Like, they can't, Mm -hmm. they couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the means to leave.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And I don't know if you noticed, like, in the, like, when they were talking to Pearl and Cynthia, the two boys, um, is it Maurice and Patrick? They walk across the street yeah. and in the, in the background, I don't know if this was t- intentional, but you can see like a new development and there's a crane mm-hmm. in the background. So it really speaks to like that neighborhood being gentrified, gentrified. and, you know, yeah. so I just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's actually an interesting background visual. So I don't know if they meant mm-hmm.
3: that or. Oh, I'm sure that they did. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, having visited Vancouver, Vancouver, it's like, it's entirely possible that there could just be cranes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think what I love about that, though, is the idea that this neighborhood is really on the cusp. Mm -hmm. So we do have gentrification happening, but also nobody wants to touch this fucking house. Mm -hmm. Like, Trace, you made a joke, oh, has nobody fed this dog in 20-something years? But it's also like, no one has touched this house in 20-something years because it is that gothic mansion that people know, oh, you don't go in there.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't mess around with that. I think I'm only surprised because... Some of the kids, our characters, don't know the legend of Jimmy Bones. O- only mm-hmm. Maurice does. So I guess I'm just surprised that kids haven't broken in here before. Or maybe they have and they got killed with like, the two guys in the beginning.
3: Right, yeah. It's interesting to me, too, that Patrick remembers it later, but he's almost repressed it. And that, to me, is also a little bit like, hey, New Line, Black Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this film does make some pretty obvious commentary a lot of it is comedic commentary but it does talk about race and politics so I do love that on the ride home Maurice Mm -hmm. proclaims himself to be representative of the melting pot and that he is
0: Mm post-racial and they all shut him the fuck up (laughs) the line again this is later but it's like do you not have any culture in you don't worry you're about to get all of them god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's such a pig, but uh, he's a likable
1: pig. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I agree.
1: Uh.
3: <laughs> okay, so we're gonna introduce a new location. We go to a fairly rundown, empty, mildly skeezy-looking bar, and we see the two dealers. Trace what was their name again? Uh, Stank and Wheeze. <laughs> All right, so Stink and Wheeze show up <laughs> and uh, they basically try to give the money that they've earned as well as I think the car keys to the boys' car that they left behind. They try to give it to Eddie Mack who is played by Ricky Harris and he also has a gum-chewing blonde girlfriend named Snowflake who is That's played Terran by Manning. Aaron Wright. <laughs> this is your Terran Manning character, yes. <laughs> 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 and this scene I think just exists to show us that there is still crime and a hierarchy of crime that's occurring in the neighborhood yep okay (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't sure if you would have thoughts on eddie mac he looks very run down to me Mm -hmm. at this point
1: yeah i feel like they paired him with that girlfriend to be like that typical guy that thinks that oh yeah you know i have a white girlfriend because doesn't he call her his his own marilyn monroe he does. So yes, it, it's kind of like he's really archaic in his thinking and, you know, and that's why they he looks like that. He dresses like that. He's, you know, he's kind of stuck in the past. So that's kind of an interesting character.
0: Uh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, because yeah, his clothing think. looks like it hasn't changed much since the 70s. Yeah. Well, also his living situation, like it looks like he's just let the house he's living in rot. Mm-hmm. Or is it a house? I mean, there's a pool. To, maybe it's a, I don't know. That's a, knows, bar, it's a bar. It's a bar. Oh, yeah, there think you go. Does he live there? <laughs> he <laughs> he might live there. He
1: could. He could live in the office. I've <laughs> I've heard of it before. So.
3: <laughs> I mean, we n- we literally never see anyone else in this bar, so no. I don't know if we're meant to assume that he not only has not been able to leave the neighborhood in the way that Jeremiah has, and I love the contrast between the two characters, but I do wonder if Eddie Mac is like he committed this murder. Oops, spoilers, he committed this murder. <laughs> and he has profited absolutely zero off of it, apparently, mm-hmm. except to buy this
1: bar. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a really good point, because all that they've done to get rid of Bones, they think they're going to be rolling in the money. Look what mm-hmm. it is. It's and just this not. run-down neighborhood, and they just shot themselves in the foot, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: It's a pretty damning statement on what drugs will do to a neighborhood.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So contrast that with this bougie fucking suburban neighborhood that we see Tia and Patrick and Bill living in. So we are introduced to Jeremiah at this point. He is played by Clifton Powell, and he is not happy to see that dog in
0: his house. Mm. I love that they all know what this dog is. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) sure.
1: And the dog's like, yeah, so come at me, bro. Do <laughs> you, <know?
3: laughs> you want me to flash my red eyes at you? Yeah,
1: I think. I mean, I love the dog. I think it's adorable. You know, I'm. Oh,
3: the dog is great.
1: So cute. Anyway,
3: <laughs> <laughs> good dog acting for yes. this dog. Yes. Cute when it needs to be. Menacing when it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> so we flash back to 1979 again and we see that jeremiah used to go by the name j bird and he was jimmy bones's very enterprising number two but bones clearly didn't have a lot of interest in his ideas which you can very easily see contributing to the eventual murder so then we get a few quick scenes that confirm that Lubavitch and Eddie Mack and Jay Bird slash Jeremiah all know each other. They have a
0: history together. I'm sorry, but when he, when, when Lubavitch comes to knock on Jeremiah's door, he is mm-hmm. eating something.
3: <laughs> it could be a raccoon. It could be a burger.
0: But he's eating it like just chewing with his mouth open, acting as disgusting as humanly possible. I was literally like, I can't watch this scene. I can't yeah. <laughs> watch this. this is disgusting. I can handle the dog
3: barfing maggots, but I cannot handle whatever is going on with this character's mouth right Honestly, now. Honestly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do enjoy that the villains in this, minus Jeremiah, are hissably bad. Mm-hmm. Like they are so over the top, comedically bad. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Yeah. okay so we hop back to bones's house and this is when cynthia visits patrick i'm curious to know if you folks have any insight into this idea so she proposes a whole big long soliloquy about the fact that there are like two houses in every house and obviously this is foreshadowing the city of the dead that we will see this
0: house become yeah, there's like an invisible layer between the above ground and the below ground. And like, I don't find this movie particularly scary. No. But I do find this bit of monologue a little bit ominous and kind of like, it, it, there's an the atmosphere just in her delivery of it, in uh, mm-hmm. Lawson's delivery. And it's really when he asks, like, well, what happens when the hole opens up or something? And she's like, well, people just fall in. or <laughs> Like, whatever yeah. she says, I was like, ooh, that sucks.
3: Which I think is the clarification about why the house is still standing and why the dog hasn't been fed in 20-something years Ooh. is because I think this house has been gobbling people up.
1: Well, yeah, and yeah. it's interesting because she's kind of a link, right? She's that link. I don't want oh, yes. to spoil it, right?
3: <laughs> oh, spoil it. That's fine.
1: <laughs> but, oh, I can spoil it? Okay. Oh, because yeah, 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 yeah. She, fine. She, she doesn't know that she's the daughter of Bones, right? So she's mm-hmm. like that link between the living, which is her mom Pearl, and the mm-hmm. dead, which is her father Bones, right? So when she's yeah. saying like there's a house of the dead, and the ho- like she's basically like the embodiment. There's like this link between mm-hmm. the two worlds. So and it's interesting that she says that because she's actually that link. So yeah,
3: and she doesn't know it yet.
1: And she doesn't know. Yeah. Okay
0: logistical question. Oh, God, (laughs) No, no. Pearl is the one who's like, it's the blood. It's the blood. Let me burn this dress. She didn't once Mm -hmm. think her daughter was also the blood.
1: (laughs) Right? No, but that's Oh, what, you wanted
0: to see her lighter daughter on fire? Yeah. No, I was just, okay, obviously, unless the daughter is dead, Bowman is not going to die. So then she just wasted her suicide. I mean, you know. Uh, Yeah, that's one way to put it. (laughs) It's a very crass way of putting it, but that's what she did. Yeah. She wasted her sacrifice. Yeah, there you go. Sacrifice, much better word. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll confess, I'm a big old dum
3: dum. And when we got to the end with what happens with Cynthia, I thought, oh wait, how did that happen? Oh, okay, yeah, now I get it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Just like, wait, when did she get infected? Oh, okay, never mind.
0: I mean, there is. Re- oh, sorry. W- w- whatever.
3: We'll talk about it at the end, but yes. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> okay. So, this is when we get the first, in my mind, truly standout visual sequences in this film. So, we see Bill, he's lying on a bed because apparently they're also sometimes living in this house now. Yeah. Um, not sure when they moved this bed in, but it's big. <laughs> he's in this big room with this big bed. He's listening to music with headphones on. And then the wall behind him becomes transparent and then mm-hmm. fills with the black painted figures who start to come out. And then they surround him. And the only reason he is saved is
0: because I think it's Patrick or someone knocks on the door. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's right.
0: This is gorgeous. Yeah. <sighs> These bodies like peeling themselves off of each other. It's all gooey. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it looks like this like just really obscene painting almost. And it's just Ooh. so beautiful to look at Mm
1: -hmm. do you guys remember the devil's advocate oh yes remember when they al pacino's character has that mural of bodies and uh, that's what it made me think of yeah i was like oh that's so cool (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. see i again thought of freddy when he eats people and then they protrude from his body yes Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah but I did love to that it would have been very easy to have gone with blood red or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's a very deliberate stylistic decision that these folks are all black, like absolutely coated in it looks like tar to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think it's very much like this is black horror. Mm-hmm. These black bodies are coming out and they are going to eat anyone who comes into this house.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really striking visual and... I mean, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Ernest had a huge part in that because he was, he's really into his visual effects. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that everything was so practical in this, too, the practical effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because when you see the effects, like the CGI, mm-hmm. it doesn't look good. Yeah. But all the practical still totally holds up.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do, the CGI doesn't look good in this movie, but I do think not every time, but a lot of the times when CGI is used, it's almost in a funny way.
2: Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
0: It, it makes it easier I, i'm thinking specifically of stank and Weeze's deaths when they're blood oh, silhouettes That is hilarious. <laughs> 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 so good see i was thinking of like the fire as bones
3: really oh, yeah, comes good. up the stairs and mm-hmm. i was like yeah it's a little music video-esque to me but mm-hmm. that's fine
1: oh you mean like the police all the candles wrapped around your finger Is that what you're talking about? All the candles? (laughs) Yeah. The song, it's in my head now because I saw the candles anyway. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm dating myself. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so old. It's okay.
0: Joe does it all the time. (sighs) Oh, shut up. I was 12 years old. I didn't know who Snoop Dogg was. (laughs) (laughs) Unleash the dog, Joe. Oh god. Doggy dog. Oh my
3: god. So, Pearl warns Cynthia about the house and the dog, telling her that it's a bad place and a door to worse. Which I think is a very poetic way, but also, hey mom,
0: maybe just say, your dad's buried in the basement, please don't go in there. <laughs> yeah, this is a classic example, a movie example of, if you just talked to each other and had an open line of communication, you could have mm-hmm. avoided a lot of this shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Will say, I'm
3: very happy that this movie doesn't do the mother-daughter fighting thing like Cynthia isn't saying no mom don't Mm. tell me how to live my life I'm gonna go be with Patrick Mm -hmm. again none of that is in here and I'm so thankful
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I like that relationship that they're very close and and Pearl is so protective of her I love that Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah Mm -hmm. we took it all we
0: brought them to our land (laughs) an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth
3: So we're back to flashbacks, and this is where we see Pearl and Bones' relationship. So she stops him before he goes inside, and she gives him this palm reading, and it's kind of sweet. And then she takes note that his lifeline is going to be cut short, and she's worried, and he's not, of course. And it's brief, but every time we see Pam Greer and Snoop Dogg interact in this movie, I just think to myself, this doesn't need to be in here. Like somebody could have yeah. cut this and it would have still been mostly fine, but they took the time to make us care about this relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it'll return at the end, right? And you'll see why Pearl does, you know, light her dress on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of, you, you, you do see why she does it because there's that strong bond. And apparently, Snoop Dogg, that was his dream to kiss Pam Greer. So, and he was very, oh. yeah. Dickish, and every time he talks about the movie, the few times I've seen the interviews, he always talks about how Snoop Dogg blushes after that take. You know? Yes. Oh, Aww. I have seen that. Yeah.
0: She is twenty-two years older than Snoop Dogg.
1: Ugh. You
0: cannot tell. You know. No, no, you cannot.
1: Still stunning. Still like still stunning. Oh my god! Yeah.
0: Mm. But no, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate these scenes, and I, these are the things that I prefer Snoop Dogg in. Again, not to say he's bad when he's like evil bones. He's mm. just well, he doesn't get to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't get to do except for cut up at a pool table, which is really cool. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah.
1: Oh, that yeah, that was cool. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we're not there yet because first we no, have no. to have blood seeping from the floorboards in the house. And they take note that the house apparently has a heartbeat. So, this is when they go to the basement, they find the locked door, they open it up, the dog digs up, bones is bones. <laughs> At least it doesn't pee on it to bring him back. Yeah, that could have been an alternative. <laughs> no.
0: So as I was compiling my list of logical problems I have with this movie, I was like, you know what? Though I bet you there are people out there that are going to be like, "What is this dog shit? That's dumb." And to all you fuckers, I'm going to say that if you can accept, if you can accept a dog pissing on Freddy Krueger's grave to resurrect him in Nightmare Four, you mm-hmm. can accept this movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that.
0: That is so like, there's dumb. no explanation. He just, Oh, sorry, he pees fire on Freddy's grave. He sorry. does, yeah. <laughs>
1: that is right. Oh my God, that is so ridiculous. It is. This oh, is yeah. like something I would have written. Oh yeah, then the dog <laughs> pees fire. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this is genius. Yeah. Wait, Carolyn, have you been saying this out loud?
1: Yes. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, I'm thinking it. Am I thinking it?
3: <laughs> Play the tape back. Did I say it yeah, out loud? Did
1: I say it out loud? thinking it <laughs>
3: <sighs> okay so this is where these kids act with stupid movie logic because they say oh we can't involve the police because it'll affect our building permit and we'll be able to open the bar so they just leave the skeleton where it is and then you know maurice makes the extra dumb move of stealing the ring from jimmy's finger oh, and yeah cynthia decides this is also the opportune moment to say well i didn't really know anything about my dad hint hint wink wink (laughs) and then they make out i'm just like kids you have discovered a human body in the place that half of you are staying and you think now's the time to bake out
0: uh okay I'm, i'm not i'm not i'm not disputing what you're saying what I'm going to say is I bet you there's, like, an adrenaline rush that just makes you horny when you write, go through something like that. It's a dangerous situation. Risky. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm going I'm to excuse this with that logic. <laughs> okay. Sure? Sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, like... You know what? We'll I mean, allow it. Call the police. I'm sorry. It's a dead body. And, okay... An aside, so my sister, I live with my sister, she does not like antiques at all. She refuses to buy <laughs> antiques, especially okay. antique jewelry, because, you know, it's been on somebody's body, yeah. right? It's pulled their essence, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, to take that ring and put that on. Oh,
0: no. Even,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, come on. You can't. Yeah.
0: I'm also <laughs> not going to be touching a decayed corpse no! to get the ring. Like,
1: no. <laughs> What are you, a pirate? He's a pirate.
3: (laughs) Are you a pirate? (laughs) If that ring doesn't come off on a first gentle pull, too, maybe don't break the whole finger off. Yeah. Now you're just asking for it.
1: That's a desecrating a body, so Mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) If you take anything away from this episode, don't (laughs) desecrate dead
1: bodies.
0: (laughs) There's a reason he's the first one to go. This is true. Yeah. He gets a pretty gnarly death, too. Well, and again, so it reminds me of Nightmare on Elm Street 3 when the nurse like when Freddy becomes the nurse and lures the uh, the silent <laughs> oh, kid away. Yes. Like mm-hmm. that's very much this scene. <laughs> that is not correct this scene, yeah. but the one later. Oh yeah. my god.
3: No, we we have to get uh, Cynthia's bloody bed first. Oh, so yes. we're up to the séance, so Pearl is delivering a séance to people who do not matter because the séance <laughs> is actually all about her. and this to me is the only mildly uncomfortable part of this entire movie so Cynthia is in bed and she thinks that Patrick is groping her but it's actually the entity of her father Mm -hmm. who sexually assaults her
1: that's really okay so this is this is the scene where I'm like oh my god okay so before (laughs) then right so like her and Patrick are like kind of canoodling and they're making Mm -hmm. out whatever and she's like okay stop and Patrick is like okay that's fine. I'll go sleep with the guys. And he understands no means no. He's a perfect gentleman. He leaves. So I think that's like a really good setup because then the creepy incestuous ghost comes and Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, so did he not know she was his daughter or he's a ghost? So he sees everything like what was up with that?
0: Mm, It might, it might just be a legitimate plot hole where, yeah, I maybe, maybe, the dad reveal didn't exist in the original plot, or maybe this this groping scene didn't exist in the original plot, and whoever decided to add it just forgot that she was his daughter? It's weird because it's the kind of thing where it works well
3: because Pearl is having this vision, and then we see Cynthia... Yeah, she gets groped, but then it transforms into something where she's writhing around in this bloody bed. And it mm-hmm. makes sense if we then think about the blood and the familial connection. Mm-hmm. But part of me is like, Ugh, but if you're going to do this gropey bit, it would have been better to have maybe had Tia be in there because then she's not tied in a family way. to Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's makes sense. true.
1: Yeah, that's actually true.
3: It sucks that we have to talk about that part because, again, the visual of this is so fucking good. Like watching Bianca Lawson disappear into this bed again, just like a Freddy
0: movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's stunning and I love it. Well, and it wouldn't look as good if the blood wasn't that very specific kind of blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 1970s blood. I love it. Yes. And and I know I've mentioned Angel Heart twice already, but have y'all ever mm-hmm. seen Angel Heart? Are y'all familiar with this movie? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. I know of it, but haven't seen it. So so Joe I, mean, I only bring it up because the scene in question was the scene that like got the movie like an X rating and they had to trim it but it's Lisa Bonet from the Cosby show having sex with Mickey Rourke okay. and oh ew well he's very he's very attractive in this movie Oh okay good I <laughs> <laughs> mean um, it's like 1986 Yeah uh, Robert De Niro plays the devil, but you don't know. But his name is Louis Cipher, so it's like, okay. <laughs> but no, but, but 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 Mickey Rourke and Lisa Bonin. I think it was controversial because I want to say, I don't know, maybe she was 17 when they filmed it. I'm not really sure. It but is. he basically imagines, like, while they're having sex, he imagines blood just washing over them. And mm-hmm. so this scene, mm-hmm. just very much, I was like, oh, like, young girl, blood in the bed? Like, that's Angel Heart. Yeah. There's no point to that. I just wanted to point it out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It also she was wearing like the tank top and the the panties and the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: can I say that panties? I don't Yes. Know. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> we don't like the word Feminine but you can say underwear. It.
1: <laughs> underwear um her briefs. Okay. So when she's wearing her tank top and her briefs, her bikini briefs, um it made me think of the Demon Knight as well. Um
0: Oh, oh, yes, yeah. Jada. Jada, yeah. Mm-hmm. What,
1: was her, what, what was the hell was her name? I can't remember her name. Gerilyn. Gerilyn, Gerilyn that's it. Oh, so my God, I have yep. a blank. But yeah, it just reminded <laughs> me of Gerilyn as well. Like I feel like um, mm. it's like this wholesome look that Ernest Dickerson probably has in his head of what a heroine should look like, what a, a final girl should look like. Mm-hmm. It's an attractive, it's a sexy look, but it's not over the top, you know?
0: Right. Anyway,
1: anyway, that's an aside, too.
0: It doesn't feel, like, lecherous or, like, it's male-gazy.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although,
0: now that I think about it, Patrick's a final boy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's kind of fun. That's
3: (laughs) nice. Yeah. Yeah so also included in this vision that pearl is having as we're seeing cynthia writhe around uh we do get a a quick flashback to pearl crying over jimmy's body so we do know that she's going to be involved in some part of the murder and we also see bones walking down the hallway and throwing his switchblade so i love that she's seeing
0: the past and
3: kind of the present as well as the future Mm -hmm. she's a true Um, mystic
0: I'm pushing my glasses up on my head. Actually, and this is the internet telling me this, I did not know ahead of time. Even though the Song of Bones says it's a switchblade, it's actually a butterfly knife that he's holding. Oh, this is true. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Get it right,
3: movie. A
1: knife I've always wanted, but I don't feel I could um, manage it because I'd probably slice a finger off.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You got to practice with that.
1: Yeah, you really do.
3: It's like, is there there an angel blade? with training wheels on it so you're like oh i can practice (laughs) this without hurting myself Yes,
1: god (laughs) a plastic one
3: (laughs) it's made out of those children's scissors that you use for like (laughs) cutting paper (laughs) oh nice okay so the next day patrick shows off the club to his father jeremiah and jeremiah is not
0: pleased and he (laughs) Just starts yelling at him in the middle of the street. Get rid of it! Just get fucking rid of it! <laughs> I wrote in my notes in all caps, this is camp. It's pretty <laughs> over the top. It is so bizarre. I mean, I, I I get it, but I was just like, oh my god, this is embarrassing. Like, not, not, like, not for the actor, it's just like, it's so over the top. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I really wanted a
3: cutaway to Shotgun just watching from his window, being like, there's old Jeremiah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Acting up.
1: Yep. He's like that nosy old lady in, in the neighborhood, you know, peeking out oh, the
0: window. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only like, I can speculate here, but I wonder, do you think maybe an issue is, do, do you feel like the movie maybe is too stuffed with characters because we're dealing with this revenge plot from the back and then also combining it with this pseudo slasher film with the teenagers? I mean, I think we probably could have done with either
3: Bill or Maurice, maybe not both. I don't think that it's a character issue i think it's a runtime issue mm-hmm. like this is mm. not a very long movie i think if we had an extra 10 minutes mm, maybe we could have done with fewer people involved in bones's murder mm-hmm. like shotgun when you think of it at the end of the day you're like uh maybe we didn't need that character
0: that's kind of what spurred that for me because i was like oh like Shot- I mean, shotgun opens this movie he's the first character we see but at the end of the day like he's not really an important character outside of being involved with the murder. Mm -hmm. right i would have liked it if he maybe hadn't been killed and had a
3: stuck around as a bit of a harbinger like i'm thinking where would they have gone with some of these presumed sequels you kind of need that person to keep the history and the legacy alive
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i i agree like i feel like there might have been too many characters in the backstory Mm -hmm. i agree they didn't need to be like three of them like maybe just have you know the racist creepy cop
3: right and
1: and maybe eddie Mac,
3: right and maybe jeremiah
1: yeah and then be done with it but um yeah it's true it was a little busy (laughs) (laughs) it is a little
3: busy yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay so this is this is where we get the truth of all of this so we have our flashback and i'm gonna synthesize it a little bit but yeah the short and long of it is that Bones refused to sell drugs in the neighborhood, so he is first shot and then stabbed to death by every person involved. It's very, I know what you did last summer, everybody has to take a stab to make them all complicit. I do want to highlight that we do get a use of the N-word here, which
0: mm-hmm.
3: really rocked me. So we get a, oh from the white character, you mean? Yes, mm-hmm. we get it from Lupovich.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: And, of course, I do I also like the tender moment when Bones stabs himself as opposed to making Pearl stab him because she Mm -hmm. can't do it. And I just Mm -hmm. thought, again, a little touch
0: that didn't have to be in there, but it Mm -hmm. really works. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
0: I really like this scene, actually. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I broke my rule. I did not read the Wikipedia plot summary as I was watching this movie. (laughs) Oh, which is good, because if you do, they do it chronologically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm like, who the fuck wrote this? What idiot
3: wrote this? <laughs> I
0: hate it when they when they don't tell it in, like, the order of the movie. It really pisses me off, Wikipedia writers. hmm But no, I, I actually, I really liked this scene. And again, it makes you feel something for Bones, who's a character who, admittedly, we don't know enough about outside of the fact that he's, like, the savior of this neighborhood. Right. And it it is his relationship with Pearl that grounds this movie, I think. Yes, absolutely.
1: Like, when she's sobbing and she's crying over his body, like... Um, I have a box set of Pam Greer films. Uh, yes. It's called Fox, Fox in a Box. <laughs> what? <gasps> yeah. Oh, my that God. Is it's so... a
3: genius.
1: Yeah. And it's got Sheba Baby. It's got uh, Coffee and Foxy Brown in it. Yes. And a Sheba... I have to say Sheba Baby is my favorite, I think. Okay. I've never seen it. She's such a badass in it. Like, she's, she has so much range. She's a Gemini, by the way. She Her birthday is, like, the day after mine. So, Gemini's... Hi. Anyway, so, but it just made me think that scene with her crying over Bones' body, it really took me to when... Because um, I watched Sheba Baby the other day, because I'm like, oh, I love that movie, and I wanted to you know <laughs> bone up on some of her movies so <laughs> <laughs> anyway so the scene where uh, her her father gets shot in Sheba baby and she's crying over his body and then there's a scene where she's talking to him in the hospital and he's dying and just the oh the pain that she conveys is really it's so good and even though this is just kind of like a slasher B movie film she really just shows that pain when she's like so distraught over the death of Bone. So mm-hmm. I just love her so much.
3: So <laughs> the thing that's interesting to me about Pam Greer, so I I was first introduced to her via Jackie Brown.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Which is mm-hmm. like such a weird thing. It's it's a bit of a testimony to Quentin Tarantino and his his interest in resuscitating careers of people that he likes and respects. He's a weirdo, but mm-hmm. I like that he does that. It's weird because Jackie Brown is obviously such a fucking brilliant showcase for her. She gets to do so much in that. Mm -hmm. So it was very bizarre to then go back and hear from people that she was primarily known for roles like Foxy Brown and Coffee. But -hmm. I feel like those are the things that people know her for and they don't Mm -hmm. give her credit for being a fucking captivating presence for actually having the range for just being a consummate professional like she shows Mm -hmm. up in jawbreaker for the most thankless role and she still kills it
1: yeah well I also uh read her autobiography. I think it's called "My Life in Three Acts or s- something like that, but I'm telling you that woman is so hardworking like I believe she got her break when she was working at AIP pictures like as a receptionist, and oh, then wow. they asked they asked her to be in a film and then it kind of went on from there. but I mean the, she had some rough roles and she did some yeah. like she she's like one of the first black stunt women, basically, oh mm-hmm. really. She did a lot. She did a lot of action parts in her, her roles. And she always, she was just so tenacious. And I feel like even if she wasn't discovered, she still would have somehow clawed her way up to the top because yeah. she was always a professional. She always showed up. Like, mm-hmm. she's just, she has such a strong work ethic. It's something to really admire. And especially back then, you know, when black exploitation was just mm-hmm. starting out she really did have to carve a, a kind of a way for herself. So you see her in these roles and you're like, my God, she really like the
0: range, the mm. range
1: and just the longevity and the tenacity of her. Just, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, all hail Pam. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I just went off on a tangent. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, I looked at her filmography too. And I was surprised at how, like, the depth of it. Like, I mean, even, yeah. okay. there's a show there was two seasons that just got canceled last year with Oh my God, it's Lake Bell and Kristen Bell's husband, Dak Shepard, called Bless This Mass. And she was like a main character on that show. I was like, oh, like, I never would have known Pam Greer was on this show. That was apparently really good, but (laughs) I was like, good for her. Yeah, she's been
3: consistently working and her filmography is deep. She's done a lot of work and she's been working for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We love Pam Greer. Yeah, there we go. So (laughs) at this point, Bones is dead. We get a fun little sequence as the camera goes down his throat, and that turns into the packed opening night at Ilbient. and Mm -hmm. the club is banging, folks, which I don't know where they got their liquor license, and I don't know how much they're charging to get into this trash fire, but
0: uh, (laughs) it looks fun. I realize I called them teens earlier, but they're not, right? Because they couldn't buy a building if they were teenagers, right? Or he went through a broker, I guess, but eh, whatever. It yeah.
3: I took it to be somewhere between high school and maybe deferring college or mm-hmm. university. I don't know. It's yeah, hard to say.
1: Twenty somethings, yeah, I guess. Right,
3: but still living at home. Yeah. Yeah uh so we get our next fantastic sequence as maurice is lured away the dog transforms into this beautiful woman she takes him upstairs and then she mauls him to death and every time (laughs) the dog bites him uh yes we get the hellraiser style reanimation of bones's corpse in the basement oh
0: this looks amazing and
3: it looks great
1: really good yeah
0: yeah
3: i just love The musicality of this, the way that the music from the DJ is intersecting with the seduction sequence, the way it's filmed, as you mentioned, Carolyn, with the great lighting across this woman. She's obviously stunningly gorgeous.
0: Just Mm -hmm. this whole (laughs) sequence works really well for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good.
0: What works even better for me is this next sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So obviously uh, Bill is not a
3: DJ, so he sends Patrick to go find Maurice because he is playing the same tune over and over again. And Patrick goes up to investigate and the face of the dog transforms into Snoop Dogg (laughs) and says, the gangsta of love don't eat no fried
0: chicken and then barfs too mouthfuls of maggots all over patrick um and we have a burp sound effect as it barks <laughs> up the maggots which i also really, i mean you can't buy, I, I don't even
3: <laughs> it shouldn't work it should be stupid it definitely is ridiculous and yet this whole thing like when you see this in action it's all great
1: oh, yeah it, yeah
0: i mean I, I do think it's ridiculous i do think it's silly I do think it's dumb as fuck, but it works for me. Yeah. But th- 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 this movie is so fantastical anyway, and it's mm. just kind of like, the dog saying the fried chicken line is a little... <sighs> it's I'm tiptoeing on the line there. Yeah. Yeah, yes.
1: it's a, a bit much. It's dumb. But then, somehow, in a way, you know, Snoop Dogg has these one-liners that, right. just in mm-hmm. general, like, I watched his show, he just says the most ridiculous things, so... I mean, I doubt it was an ad lib because obviously they had to do the whole CGI and whatever. Oh, yeah. It's pushing it, but it's feasible that he might say something like that.
2: Mm -hmm. But I
1: also think that Khalil Kane, I swear, it looked like he was going to laugh when he was being (laughs) skewed with the maggots and the rice because it's rice. It looks like it's rice. No.
0: Right? Yeah, okay, I- I'm glad because I was like, is that Orzo on his face? Like what <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Um but yeah, it's like they cut right before he starts laughing.
1: Yeah, I swear I looked because I, I watched this movie like twice and I'm like, he's laughing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that actor, by the way. He was on Girlfriends and Living Single. Um mm. anyway. But um I would love to ask him. That's one question. So were you laughing during the, the maggot <laughs> barfing scene? Or like, <laughs>
3: just imagine like ma'am. We're doing press days for, like, this very serious (laughs) thing that Khalil is in. And Carolyn's like, I need to ask if you were laughing during the maggot scene.
2: (laughs) Yes.
3: Really (laughs) pressing
0: question.
1: Hard cutting you know? Hard cutting questions. Yeah.
0: It's a great moment, too. Like, just these maggots in general. And then we get what's essentially a Suspiria bit, where Mm -hmm. the maggots just fall from the ceiling all over this dance floor. And it is It's fantastic. Well, and, and, and your your Italian horror suspirio lighting works here because of the lighting in this club. Like, it's intentional, mm-hmm. but, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it is a stylistic intention, but it's also natural within the world of the film. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I like. Yep. And, and I would have liked a slightly better
3: stampede as people get the fuck <laughs> out of here, but it's pretty good. You and
0: your stampedes! <laughs>
3: You know what? If I have to take ownership of that, if I become the person who likes watching people
0: get crushed to death in stampedes and horror films, I will gladly wear that honor. We are missing a high-heeled shoe in someone's yes. Eyes. Oh my god! Oh, yes. yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> am I am I wrong? Have you guys seen the collector and the collection?
0: Oh yes.
2: yes. Okay,
1: so doesn't the collection have like a crazed, a frenzied stampede? It does. Yes, it does.
3: Mm-hmm. It's the opening mm-hmm. scene.
1: And then it reminds, makes me think of Blade 2 when people are getting showered with blood. What what number was that? Was that? Oh, that's, two, that's, that's
0: the first one? one. That's the first one. That was yeah. the
1: first one? Yeah. I agree. I love these um, horror club scenes where, yes. you know, shit's going to go down because there's a bunch of people. They're all locked in one space. But yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. It could have been a slightly better stampede. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> I,
3: I start to wonder because we're about to really move into where things pick up. Mm-hmm. This is where I start to wonder if we were running out of time and we couldn't quite do everything. I don't know that there was a better sequence here, but it's telling that this is the part of the film where things start to just move a little too quickly.
0: Well, and that's the thing, right? The film takes its time up until this point. I mean, it is the 65 minute, an hour and five minutes when Bones gets resurrected. The last act essentially is just him going on a revenge spree killing people. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 15 minutes of revenge spree killing people and 15 minutes of let me be with my ex-girlfriend and daughter. Yeah,
3: which is kind of when the film recovers for me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, I love the severed head shenanigans we're about to get into. Oh so. my god, yes, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. Well, let's press on then. So we do get a fiery explosion. It's interesting that we just said, okay, all the stuff with the maggots is Suspiria because this is apparently an Inferno reference as he's coming up the stairs and there's the fire behind him.
0: Uh, Inferno is low key good, by the way.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I think it's just Mother of Tears that people are firmly on. Oh, yeah, can camp. <laughs> 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 oh dear. Yeah, so this is where we see him throw the angel blade as Patrick and Cynthia are getting away. And I do love that moment where everyone is standing around outside and they're looking at the flames on the building. And he just stands in the doorway and then disappears It's like an announcement.
0: Hello, I have returned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now and now Pearl thinks it's okay to tell Cynthia that it's her dad. <laughs> right. By the way, that's her dad. <laughs>
3: I mean, yeah, this is where the kids find out, oh shit, I've been lied to my whole life, because Patrick also confronts his father, Mm -hmm. and that happens at the same time as Bones takes care of Shotgun. So he, I read somewhere, somebody said, oh, it's a bit of a mercy killing, and I thought, I don't know that slicing someone's throat can be considered a mercy kill.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's not... Well, I was going to say it's probably not that painful, but you are choking on your own bl- I'm going to walk that
2: back. Yeah. back.
3: <laughs> I
0: mean, I guess you're not being decapitated and fed to a wall. You're not being tortured,
3: yeah. 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 <laughs> well. <laughs> so shotgun is just immediately dispensed, and that is done. And then we go to Eddie Max two henchmen.
0: So, Trace, this is your favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> it's so fuck. So we get a lot of this. Not a lot, but we just see a like, like, like little wordplay banter between them. Learn some words I hadn't heard before. That was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, then we get this like blood CGI blood silhouette as he does something to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Just <laughs> use your imagination, kids. What could create a blood silhouette? <laughs> <laughs> he, he must have had a stencil. Like a wall-sized Maybe. stencil.
1: It's like a cartoon. <laughs> The cartoon
0: <laughs> it is a little yeah. bit it's a bit like a looney tunes kind of yes. <laughs> scenario isn't it Th- that's 100% what it is and that is why though like we have the talking dog we have this i'm kind of like okay the movie hasn't really been this silly up until this point but that kind of is where the climax leans the transition isn't that jarring to me right it is all really bizarre and stupid and weird but yeah it, it-, it still works for me so i don't know mm-hmm
3: It's just so bizarre because it's intercut with very serious scenes like Cynthia at this point walks in on Pearl having a sexy, scary encounter as Bones' hand just comes out of the dark. This is another homage. I think it's to Bava. I didn't quite catch it in the special features, but again, just really evocative and stirring and I love the interplay between, oh, is she being threatened or is he saying, hey, I'm back, you know? keep an eye out for me yeah okay so eddie mac is next and i feel like we haven't really done a great job of capturing how much of a character eddie mac
0: is so i'm going to read a line that he yells (gasps) to snowflake oh my god please i I think i know the line you're gonna say because i was about to read it too so please i want to hear you say this line (laughs) So she disappears and he is trying to have sex with her. So he has taken off his
3: pants at this point and he is wandering through the bar and he says, I'm
0: going to tickle your little pink tweeter all night. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I have that written down and highlighted in my notes.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Because what? <laughs>
3: have never heard a vagina or a clitoris referred to as a
0: pink tweeter before <laughs> i
1: so mean thank you bones what's a bird like i guess i don't i don't
0: i'm never gonna I, look at twitter the same way again yeah. when thinking, <laughs> tweeting all my tweeters <laughs> <laughs> all night long
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, sadly, poor Snowflake has been unceremoniously dumped into the trash, which is...
1: Um... <laughs> mm. She's
0: white trash. She's white she trash. now officially white trash. I
1: guess. Telling.
0: <laughs> but Okay, I don't know if it was I- intentional or not, but I'm literally surprised we don't get a line from Bones going like, She's white trash now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, they they really keep the one-liners to a bit of a minimum. They really just want them dog-related. And that I think I'm kind of glad. But this is the scene where we get Bones appearing and slicing up the pool table with the knife.
0: And it spews blood. The the pool table spews blood for no fucking reason. No reason, but (laughs) it's so good. (laughs) You know why? Because it looks fucking great.
3: That's why. And it does. And then we get a mirror that's held up. And it breaks because Eddie Mac tries to shoot him. And of course it doesn't work because you can't shoot a supernatural entity. Mm
2: -mm -mm.
3: (laughs) And then the flying glass shards impale him in the back into the wall. And that's when Bones then decapitates him with the angel blade. Yep. And we think he's done, but he's not. (laughs) This was so unexpected. So we then see Bones walking around with the decapitated head of Eddie Mack, who is still talking and giving him smack like he's he's reading him. Like, oh, why can't you just leave me be blah, blah, blah. And at one point, Bones hits the head against the
0: wall. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking died. I mean, this is... Brilliant comedy, and I I don't know why it's here, but I'm so happy it is.
1: (laughs) Well, that's when it started to really make me think of Freddy Krueger, because I could totally see Freddy doing that, and did he not do that? I'm sure he's done that in one of them.
3: I mean, in Freddy vs. Jason, Jason decapitates him, and then
0: Freddy gives us a wink at the end of the movie.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But
0: remember, that is two years after Bones. Oh my
1: god.
0: Plagiarism. yeah yep yep <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man yeah that's when i felt freddy krueger had, had kind of shown his face yes. <laughs> a little bit yeah
0: yeah no new, new land was like well no one saw it in bone so let's put it in freddy versus jason right. <laughs> honestly
1: it that's probably what happened
0: that mm-hmm. would not surprise at all yeah
1: creeps <laughs> uh, it's just you know
0: white creatives stealing from black creatives yeah, like well, usual I mean, stuff. So. What
1: else is new, right? Yeah.
0: As you do, tales yep. all as the time. As, I'm sorry, as we do, as we do
3: yeah,
2: all the time.
3: <laughs> so the murders are happening hot and heavy at this point. So Lupovic is next. He gets impaled on a meat hook, and then
0: he seems to be gutted, but we don't actually get to see it because we cut away. No, because what happens is he makes him smoke the crack That that he made him smoke, but then he removes his mouth
2: and stabs
0: him he stabs him in the lungs, which allows the crack smoke to come out of his body. And then he decapitates it. Okay. (laughs) It's like it's fun, it's a fun death.
3: (laughs) It is. And and fun times, Lupovich is also still talking as a decapitated head. So Bone shows up with both of them when he goes to Jeremiah, who is next on the list.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and it's, it's fairly brief. He just more or less abducts Jeremiah. And this is where we reintroduce everybody. So Pearl and Cynthia and Bill and Patrick are all getting involved.
0: <laughs> and they say, Tia, you're white and you're female, so you can stay here. So wait, I'm sorry. Um, tiny question. Joe, did you recognize the mother I definitely visually clocked her, but I could not figure out who she was. So she's a heavy Canadian player. She was not only in Reefer Madness, the movie musical, but she's also the woman in Final Destination 2 who gets decapitated by the elevator.
2: Yes. Oh. Linda Boyd, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Okay. <laughs> wow. She, she shows up in a lot of things. I think she just lives in... Yeah, she's probably in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, she lives in Vancouver. I think she just she's just always like a random woman and things you'll see all the time. Sure, yeah. she's somebody's she has mom. that
1: face. Yeah, I actually I recognize her, but I forgot to look her up because I'm like, oh yeah, she's familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then you know that always happens with Canadian actors, by the way. That's yeah, thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I, I'm aware by this point in Joe <laughs> yes. and I's relationship. <laughs>
1: yes. Yup. <laughs>
3: It's basically the Canadian character actor hour. Like, y- oh, yep. who are we seeing this week?
0: Yes. There
1: by is. the way, I claim Bones <laughs> is a Canadian film. So. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: it's stamped.
0: There is a credit in the opening credits that says Canadian casting by or Canadian whatever. As Oh, mm-hmm. here we go. Canada.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Canada. Yeah. So
3: The only question was, oh, is this going to be Toronto or is this going to be Vancouver? So.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a Hollywood film oh god hollywood north yeah yep (laughs) so the gang tries to get to the house to save jeremiah and i love this i totally thought they were gonna arrive in time and this was gonna be our climax and it's like nope nope. jeremiah
0: (laughs) is fed into this fucking wall doggy dog after a couple he he keeps putting his head in, which I I love that we also get the interior shot of mm-hmm. whatever is behind this wall, which is just more bodies. Like it looks mm-hmm. horrifying. But goopy? Y- yeah, but it actually he keeps like pushing his head in a couple times. They do this whole spiel. And then yeah, he's like, doggy dog, man, shoves him man. But it looks like a miserable, like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. The fates of these characters, while probably well deserved, is like really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine spending, what, maybe
3: all of eternity just suffering and then also consuming
0: other people so that they have the same fate? that will be like May for All of Eternity. Like, what's the other option here? <laughs> yeah, well, they do burn down the house at the end of this movie, so. Ugh. I mean, but hell still exists. Is that what you think this is? I think it's
3: hell, yeah. It's a pathway or a gateway. Oh, we do. Yeah. Kind of? Actually, Pearl yeah. did say.
1: Yeah.
0: She gave us that line about doors to worse, so yes, you're probably Mm. right. Yeah, I mean, that's how I, I mean, again, open to interpretation.
1: Sure. (laughs) I mean, why isn't it maybe a hellscape and part of the Hellraiser universe? You don't know, right?
0: (gasps) The
3: Bones Hellraiser connected universe?
1: Yes, why not? I mean, we already
3: got that homage. You
0: couldn't be more blatant than that. Yeah. You you know what, that's their mistake. They were trying to make the new Freddy Krueger, and they should have been trying to make the new Pinhead.
1: Yeah. Oh my god.
0: Black pinhead, yes.
1: Or Puphead? Puphead?
0: Um, okay, Carolyn, no, no,
3: Carolyn, no. <laughs> you needed to keep that one inside.
1: Because <laughs> now I'm just
0: picturing a, like a human being with a giant dog head. <laughs> okay, I don't think y'all uh, y'all have to know about the pup community and the queer in the gay in the queer community, right? Where they wear the pup masks. Oh, right. Okay, so now what? this is a queer text as saying. Okay, so <laughs> Carolyn, I implore yes. you. I y- mean, y- you might find porn, but <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, watch search history here. You should Google pup play. No, it, 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 okay. it it's actually, I, I find it very fascinating, but yeah, it, it's basically where, like, you know, there's like it's a very, like, a BDSM, like, there's a Dom and a Sub, but okay. it's like a, an alpha and a beta, or like a pup and his master.
1: Oh, okay.
0: But mm-hmm. they, they actually wear, like, leather masks, but they, they're shaped like dog faces.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: And they wear collars and stuff. I mean, there's more to it than that. Like, yeah. I, I'm giving a very reductive explanation of this lifestyle, but yeah. I think it's very fascinating. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just, I can't keep up anymore. I just feel so old. I'm so out of touch. I mean, God.
0: You're forgiven for not knowing what pup play is. No,
1: I mean, I need to be, I mean, I don't even know what the latest popular song is, to be honest. So, I mean, it's pretty likely that I'm not going to be up on the, what is it? The Pup culture?
0: Mm-hmm. No.
1: Yeah. Okay, so, okay. Are we digressing? I think we're digressing. No, but that's that not was too. my fault. I just
0: fault. had to make sure y'all knew about pup play before we moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done.
2: Anyway.
3: <sighs> anyway. Okay, so Pearl is lured up to the penthouse, and this is where Bones restores her to her 1978 glamour look, and this, to me, was a bit of an interesting thing because when bones comes back snoop Dogg is looking very glamorous he's got a certain sheen the hair looks great (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
3: pam greer i'm not sure she's coded to look like she's kind of fallen on hard times in the interceding years but then you know when we see her restored to this 1979 glamour look with the the gorgeous fro and everything Mm -hmm. i i don't know i was trying to read it as oh is the way she's looking before not good? Or is it just that this is how Bones has always seen her? And it's like a the reunion of their relationship.
0: Like with her dreadlocks? Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's done to age her a bit. Because also, I think the Fro is, it's Pam Greer's look. So obviously, they're yeah, going right. to capitalize on that, right? Because that is Pam Greer. That's Foxy Brown. That's Sheba Baby. You okay. know, that's her persona. And it's funny. I had a friend. I used to work um, at a makeup counter. And my friend, when I was young and spry, she's like, "We need to make a Foxy Brown movie, and you need to star in it." And I'm like, "Are you high?" (laughs) 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 But she's like, "We need to get you an Afro." She had like the whole thing. We never did it, obviously, but like that is just her signature: is the Afro. Also, she's a seer. She's a natural kind of, Mm. you know, Mm. psychic, uh, touchy-feely person. So the locks, I think, kind of denotes that now she's kind of like that touchy-feely, she's older, she's wiser. Like, I think okay. that gi- it gives her, like, a wiser look. I do, however, think that they were too long. It didn't suit her, like, her whole frame. If it, they were a little bit shorter, I think they would have looked maybe a bit more current. But I maybe they weren't going for that. Maybe they were making her look, like, world-weary with mm-hmm. these longer locks and, like, you know... Just making her look a little bit more wary, which is kind of hard when it's Pam Grier, So
3: <laughs> <laughs> No, I I definitely appreciate that because mm-hmm. I I was worried that it was like a socioeconomic thing. But I think mm-hmm. I like your reading that it's more about who she is and what her profession is. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense to me.
1: Yeah, she's just like, a, she's into, you know, the otherworldly, the supernatural and I don't know if they're going too deep into it, but, like, the Rastafarian lifestyle is very natural. Mm-hmm. It's very connected to the earth, that sort of thing. So I don't know if I'm overthinking it or projecting too much onto it. But, <laughs> yeah, like, it just seems mm-hmm. like, you know, just to give her that kind of a natural earthy thing, which is, again, it is kind of coded, but. Right. Yeah. So is an Afro, so, you know.
2: <laughs> Fair
3: enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're yeah. they're very distinctive hairstyles, right?
1: hmm Yeah.
3: Uh, okay, so well, that seduction is happening upstairs, this is where Bill is very quickly and easily lured away by the ghost of his dead friend and murdered. And is killed immediately. <laughs> it's like, bye Bill, we <laughs> didn't really know you, but now you're gone. So this leaves <laughs> Cynthia to guide Patrick through the purple-lit city of the dead, and... It's such an easy thing to say. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just take the set that we've got and we'll just light it differently and give it just a little fine tune. But this is really striking in terms of connoting. Oh, the space has changed. It is now threatening. It is different.
0: There is a really funny line. <laughs> so, a I love the look of this. Yeah, this like pinky purple thing. It looked. I don't remember, Joe, if I mentioned Ivan ooze on our show or one of our guest appearances on someone else's show but this looks like Ivan Ooze's home okay you don't watch the power I'm not sure no I'm not drawing anything (laughs) oh my god I need I need you to google Ivan Ooze when this is done because it's so funny okay (laughs) but Cynthia has this line it's all changed but we just gotta we have to remember what was here and follow it and then she looks at stairs and goes those stairs should take us to the second floor (laughs) Um, good job Cynthia that's what (laughs) stairs normally do I was just like, thanks, Cynthia, for telling us that the stairs take us up a floor. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> I mean, she's still working on her on her
3: powers, so she's not quite as connected, maybe, as her yeah. mom would have been. Yeah. <laughs> Reading the stairs. I think if we go up then we'll go up a level. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Did you guys notice? There's a, like to the left as they're looking up the stairs. I don't know what that was. If it was like a little gate, it had like this little filigree. Like it looked like almost a brain. Did you? Oh, know? really? There's a
0: lo- no. There, there's yeah. a lot of stuff because there's also there's yeah. also like a segment of pink bodies and there's a hand that's constantly moving and reaching out of itself. Like, yeah. There's a lot in this one shot of them standing in this room, like to absorb. So yeah. then, is
1: it like an like they're inside a? body or like that's what i wasn't sure about i'm like okay um
3: well they did mention earlier like when the blood seeps out and they say that there's a heartbeat in the house so i definitely
0: feel like we're led to believe that the house itself is alive
1: yes okay that makes sense yeah 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 yeah
0: because when I think in an interview with the writer, uh, with Simon, he said, like, yeah, I really wanted the house to be its own character. So maybe Ooh. this is like the literalization of that. Or it's just, it's Bones. Like his mm-hmm. body, his, the house is Bones. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was
1: bones. a cool, I actually really liked that. I think I was reading something, somebody compared it to, um, oh, was it The Beyond? Was that it?
0: It's either The Beyond or From
1: Beyond, maybe. From Beyond. That's it. From Beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. I, I really yeah. like that that section. But, yeah, Captain Obvious is... <laughs> <laughs> we should go
0: up the stairs. Indeed. Yeah.
3: So they eventually make it to the penthouse, and this is where Cynthia falls under her father's sway. And they, they kind of have a father-daughter dance. Yes! And <laughs> meanwhile, Patrick then is lured to the mirror where he sees this wall of bodies, including now the face of his father, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. Who then attacks him and he ends up having to chop off Jeremiah's hand, which I thought was a a nice way of being like, I'm done with your handouts, I'm being my own person, I'm removing myself from your influence kind of deal. Okay. Okay yeah so now patrick is a threat because uh bones has everything that he would want at this point he's reunited with pearl he's got his daughter so patrick's the only thing standing in his way so he begins to levitate him
0: and there's like ghostly swirls going around (laughs) i didn't know what to make of this he gets put in like a tornado of sorts, but yeah. again, it, it's not scary and it is goofy because we have the sound of Patrick going, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> I'm like, What the ground. What? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but then, like, but, 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 but Bones, like, Suga has these makeup on him, which honestly, I don't think we needed the makeup. Yeah. I think no. it's fine. Like, yeah. he's fine
3: as is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they're trying to make him more scary. And like, oh, he is now a proper villain. You know, Mm -hmm. before he was a bit of a not an antihero, but a sympathetic villain. And here Mm -hmm. it's just no, he's fully evil. Because Patrick hasn't actually done anything bad. He does not deserve to die. Neither did Bill. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the transition. But to connote that it's like, well, let's give him a partial dog face.
0: See, I took them as just guilty by association because they're the offspring of one of his betrayers. So, like, they have to die. Mm -hmm. I do think it's that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Pearl says that she's going to kill Jeremiah's,
3: like, whole line kind of deal.
1: Well, and that whole tragic hero thing, you know, kind of goes to, like, Candyman, obviously. He's, like, that Mm, tragic hero. And that question that keeps going, well, why is he attacking black people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like that's kind of a similar thing here where... It kind of doesn't work, but I don't know. I just feel like you kind of have to give it a little bit of wiggle room because you're just enjoying the film in general.
0: For me, Percy makes more sense here as opposed Mm -hmm. to Candyman, if only because these people did directly betray him. Yes. Right. So that that kind of makes more sense as a, as opposed to Candyman, which. But you know, valid point. I think I think yeah. it's correct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: it seems to me like Bones doesn't have a good read on the situation, so he's going yeah. after the people that he feels spurred by, as well as their children. But yeah, it is kind of fascinating if he could understand the context, because really, Patrick is trying to resuscitate the neighborhood. Like, that's why he bought it. That's why he wants to open this bar. He's trying to bring livelihood
0: back to this dying neighborhood. Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of where, again, with this finale, I was like, it feels rushed, but because it feels like there could be a conversation here between Mm -hmm. Bones and Patrick. We don't get any of that. And yeah, that's something that I feel like is missing, because yeah, like y'all are both right. Patrick is doing what Bones is trying to do, and he still wants to kill him anyway, because blood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because Patrick could have said, hey, man, I love your daughter, I want to save this place, I want to, you know... Keep your memory yeah. alive and then bones will be like, Oh, okay. And then you know, they you know, <laughs> go off or whatever. But yeah. And then it
3: becomes Casper.
1: Yes. <laughs> Bonesy, <laughs> oh the friendly ghost, you know? I don't know. No, I don't think He's it'll work. has got a <laughs> new
3: rhyme for the children to learn.
1: Yes. But I yeah. mean, like,
0: honestly, this is kind of, my, my notes for the this rest of the movie are very short. I was like, okay, oh, they yeah. get their way to the bones, there's a special effects extravaganza, mm-hmm. Patrick almost goes to hell, there's a bunch of spinning, yep. and Pearl lets her dress on fire. <laughs>
3: yeah, essentially. I do love the fact that she doesn't try to hurt Bones, she Mm -hmm. sacrifices herself by lighting herself on fire, and then Mm -hmm. Bones goes up because he rushes
0: to her, and it's that Mm -hmm. final romantic moment that, again, just nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I mean, I feel like that's her catharsis, right? Like, just because she still feels guilty over being privy Mm -hmm. to his death?
3: (laughs) And she clearly didn't move on from it. I mean, she maybe couldn't afford to, but also it doesn't seem like You know, we never get the impression that she met someone new. There's nobody else in her life. This Mm -hmm. is the one true love.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So then Patrick and Cynthia quickly get out of the building as it begins to collapse. You know, the usual stuff. Ah. Mm -hmm. And then we get this coda. The building is half broken down. They're standing outside. And I don't know why Patrick has the picture of Bones and Pearl, but uh, we haven't really talked about it, but throughout the film... This picture has animated at different points. So it does so here. Bones threatens Patrick that dog eats dog. And then this is where we get the reveal that Cynthia is now possessed by the spirit of Bones. And she spits a mouthful of maggots at him. And we get the smash cut to credits.
0: Yeah, it, it's eh. it's fine. Yeah. It's a sequel setup, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a kind of, oh, okay. Yeah.
3: I'll see you in the theaters in two years. Bones, keep on dogging it.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I again like I hate not hate myself. Um, I I regret that I never checked this out sooner. That I just again like I mean my reaction to you when we did demon eye where I was like what Bones is good. I have never heard a good thing about it literally. <laughs> but you know rewatching it for this, I'm just kind of like I really really liked this, and I wish that it I wish that it had a better ending. Like I wish yeah. it didn't kind of lose itself in these last twenty minutes, but. Overall, like, I mean, again, I, I've been praising this a lot. It's a three and a half out of five for me. I'm aware that it's not a perfect film, but mm-hmm. I just, I admire its ambition a lot and just what it's yeah. doing. Yeah. Carolyn, what about you?
1: Snoop is my guilty pleasure. I do like <laughs> a few of his songs. Not a hundred percent with him because I know, you know, he's been a little problematic, but it was just nice to see him do something different, you know? Yeah. Try his hand at like a slasher icon Mm -hmm. try it right and also you know just knowing that Ernest Dickerson directed it I just admire him so much and just you know in my movie education over the years just to see how much he's done it sucks that it's not a bigger film but you know yeah I I enjoyed it it's it's a fun it's a fun movie yeah yeah
3: yeah I completely agree with both of you this is fun it's entertaining I think Dickerson directs the hell out of this. It has so much more visual style than... I, I don't want to say that it needed to be because clearly Dickerson went into this with a vision and then executed it really, really well. And I think that really contributes to why the film is so successful. I do wonder whether the casting of Snoop Dogg, even though I think he's doing fine in a limited role... I do wonder if that ended up contributing to negative perceptions of the film. I almost wish that they had have gone with maybe a recognizable face, but somebody that would have been taken a bit more
0: seriously. I don't know. I'm of two minds though, because again, I will bring up Paris Hilton in House of Wax. Because that movie was marketed around her and like, oh, see Mm -hmm. Paris die. And it's like, oh, well, maybe if we just didn't have her, people would have gone to see I was like, no, but see, I want Paris Hilton in that movie because I think I like Paris Hilton in that movie. I like Snoop Dogg in this fine. I mean as you say, yeah, it's limited screen time. He isn't given a lot to do, which again is surprising when you think, mm-hmm. okay, well they're trying to make the next Freddy Krueger. So, I'm shocked. But I do find the character, the murderous character of Bones to be kind of the least interesting part of this movie for oh, me. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think from a marketing standpoint, yes. Having having the tagline be uh, Unleash the Dog. Having the trailer have the Dog Eat Dog line in it and focus mm-hmm. on Snoop Dogg. It was mm-hmm. stunt marketing for stunt casting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't think and that Snoop Dogg being in this film is the problem. I think it's just how right. how, he, how the film was marketed with him in it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I will say that I'm really happy that
3: this film, although it was not well received in 2001... Every time people mention it now, I don't see people shitting on it. I see people saying, oh, this is an unheralded classic. It's actually way better than you expect. Bones is good. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that its legacy has changed. And I hope this episode encourages more people to check it out.
0: Yeah. Well... Before we announce what we're covering next week, Carolyn, first of all, thank you for coming on to this. This was really fun. Thanks (laughs) for having me. We promised, Carolyn, you were actually here. This wasn't just a conversation I was here.
1: My mouth was moving. I was talking.
0: (laughs) 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 But please, tell everyone where can they find you on social media and, you know, bring up anything you'd like to plug.
1: Oh, sure. Um, You can find me on Twitter at VFDPixie. I'm on there occasionally. I kind of limit it now because I doom scroll way too much. (laughs) Um, And right now we're doing a uh, horror development lab for Blood in the Snow. So it's specifically for underrepresented filmmakers, BIPOC, uh, LGBTQ+, Mm -hmm. um, disabled. So anybody that's been in an underrepresented group that has a short film or... Uh, has a project that they would like to make into a feature film. And this is for Canadian filmmakers. Yeah. If you have some sort of a treatment and you have a short film, go to www.deadlyexposure.ca and all the details are on that website. So we'd love to see, you know, underrepresented Canadian filmmakers. We want to give people basically a leg up to meet with these industry professionals and hopefully get like a feature made so yeah that's what we're doing now (laughs) and the deadline is august 15th so yeah nice more can yes show me
0: what you got (laughs) yes (laughs) no rick and morty fans rick and morty anyone okay (laughs) (laughs) move it along move it (laughs) along Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers and join our Facebook Horror Queers group. Find us on Letterboxd to keep track of all the films we've covered and go to our YouTube channel to watch us talk about queer horror short films. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you want even more horror queers content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. Uh, besides our summer movie preview and a review of Alana Glazer's new pregnancy horror film, False Positive, This month, we've also got lots of Conjuring content. We've got an audio commentary on the first Conjuring, an episode on the new sequel, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and a ranking of all eight films in the Conjuring universe. So, fun stuff. So much Conjuring. So (laughs) much Conjuring. I'll never see them again. There's Um, eight. (laughs) Joe. Yeah, with all the spin-offs and (laughs) stuff. Right. (laughs) What are we
3: talking about next week, Joe? Okay, well, it's time to cross off a little bit of a secret shame gap spot for me trace we're gonna go (gasps) all the way back in time we're gonna be talking about the creature from the black
0: lagoon which i have never seen and have lied about to many people oh you've lied about it oh you Mm -hmm. know what i have those movies too i where you just say yeah i've seen it because you don't want to have them like lecture you on how good of a movie it is (laughs) no it's just it's embarrassing that i haven't seen it especially since
3: i delivered a lecture on aquatic horror and i was like
2: i've not seen this movie (laughs)
0: I'm dying right now. Well, it's really good. Um, Mm -hmm. If you have a 3D TV, you should definitely watch it in 3D. But it's really good. Okay. Well, I'm very excited. (laughs) All right, everyone. So get your Universal Monsters fix next week. But we hope you've enjoyed this episode on the underrated and underseen bones. And on that note, we can cross out bones. Indeed. And cross out horror
2: queers.